Hi there, this is Erin Nicole, and you're listening to the Move Happy Movement Podcast. On today's show, I'm doing a special episode all about healthy medication. I'm actually walking in my new place. It is early, and the creator of the universe woke me up this morning. I'm super grateful to wake up another day. What are you grateful for? Be thinking about that during this show. Um, Sometimes I do interview other people, uh, but today the creator wants me to talk to you from my own honest perspective of taking medications. And when I do an episode by myself, this is an impromptu thing. These are uh, not prescripted, pre-planned. This is honestly just from my heart to yours. And ultimately, my goal and our goal at Move Happy and my nonprofit arm, Erin Nicole Ministries, is to help equip you and empower you with the tools necessary to bring you some joy. So if you're struggling, you're going through a tough season, or if you are going through an extremely challenging season and you're diagnosed with mental illness, perhaps depression or other areas of mental illness, and just getting out of bed is a success for you. Wherever you're at on that spectrum, I want to encourage you and empower you with some stories, some real-life stories from my own personal and professional experience so that you can make your own decision and take action in your own life to live the life of your dreams, whatever that means for you. So the first thing I want to talk about is taking medication. This is something that is not only encouraged, but it's necessary, right? We take medication when we're sick. We, um, if we've got some sort of illness where we need to take antibiotics, and they've got a few different versions of them. I had to take some a few weeks ago. I had um, an infection going on, some bleeding where there shouldn't have been bleeding. That was not fun. Didn't want to go to urgent care the day that I was encouraged to from my supervisor, but I'm glad that I did because uh, there's no real good time to be sick or be ill. (laughs) And if you follow the doctor's orders, um, then you get better. And if you don't, uh, one thing that I've learned uh, when I worked in the psychiatric hospital, I only worked there 12 months, uh, but I did have an intensive training with Uh, people that had over a total of 100, 150 years experience. So I leaned on them for their expertise. And Rachel was actually the RN on our floor, and we worked in active treatment. And what that means is it was kind of like a school. So uh, we worked with adult patients in my particular hall. They were there for at least six months. Some of them were there for 30 plus years. These were double locked doors. They lived on the ward in whatever floor was their assigned ward, uh, W-A-R-D. And when they came down for treatment, if they were allowed to come down for treatment, they uh, were earning the right to come down and meet with us. Uh, The way that they earned that right was taking their medications as prescribed from their treatment team, going to their ward therapy, um, and some of them had one-on-one additional therapy with the psychologist, psychiatrist, counselor, social worker, um, 
variety of um, floors. Um, some of the floors didn't have a psychologist on staff because it was difficult to fill the spot and or um, economically it made more sense to have a master's level psychologist um, on that floor instead. And um, so they had a, there was a variety of ways that they could earn the right to come down and meet with us. Um, if they did earn the right and they were at that level, which they could lose at any time for breaking the rules of the hospital, like if they got in a fight, they got immediately down to a level one, which meant that they were like pretty much on respectful lockdown. Um, if they were a potential harm to themselves, they went on suicide watch. They were um, to be monitored every 15 minutes from a staff member, and they sometimes were put in restraints for their own personal safety so that they would not harm themselves. Um, although it was double locked doors, they got very creative with items that you and I, if you've never been in a psychiatric hospital, might not think about, might be self-harm items like a razor to shave your face. Um, batteries would be used in the electrical outlet. Some of them lit things on fire so that they could um, try and harm themselves and harm the hospital. Um, we actually took a tour. I remember my first week uh, before we worked with any patients, um, we had a very intensive orientation training because uh, it is a high risk for the hospital to have anyone not be uh, prepared for worst case scenario, kind of like if you ever went through lifeguard training, right? They teach you like what to do if someone's drowning or they're bleeding or, you know, they, their heart stops, right? You learn CPR, you learn all the worst case scenario things. Well, in the hospital, they taught us combative training. They taught us um, like very beginner level, I would say. Um, and they also um, taught us how um, as a group to uh, basically get someone into restraints respectfully while maintaining like their dignity. Um, but if they're not in a right state of mind uh, to make sure that we protect ourselves, protect the patients and protect other staff members. Um, and going back to the story about um, my first week, I forget the staff member. He was a really nice gentleman. He, he had a camera on him and so he would take our photos and whatnot. Um, but he had been there for, I want to say, like 30 years, maybe more, maybe less, um, give or take. I still remember his face so vividly because, you guys, this was, this was my favorite job I've ever had. Like, 100%. Whew, getting emotional on that one. So the reason why I'm getting emotional is because I had to leave. I didn't want to leave. I had to leave. The position, but the creator of the universe had something greater in store. So I get to I get to share fun stories of my experiences there while maintaining the privacy of the patient names. And uh, anyway, so this uh, this staff member was walking us around the campus, and he went to this particular building. Oh, and I should um, also warn you, if you are listening and there are kids in the car, you might want to pause this episode. Um, wait until the kids are, you know, at school or 
are not in your presence so that you can decide if you want to share this information with your kids. Um, okay, back to the story. So um, we're walking around the campus, and there was four different hospitals within the campus. There's a state hospital, state psychiatric hospital. And um, one of the buildings, he pointed up to us and he says, you see that window right there? With the, how, you see, notice how there's um, metal bars at, uh, on the outside of it. And we're like, yes. He's like, those weren't always there. They have upgraded the hospital through people's accidents. And he said one patient had um, gone through psychosis and decided to open the window and jumped out and killed themselves on the campus. So they, and, I, and I'm sorry to be so blunt about it, but they had to be proactive and protective of the patients. Um, and so then they removed the option for patients to open the windows after that particular patient demonstrated um, and, you know, ended their life. They, ru they ruined the opportunity for future patients to be able to have their window open, even if they might not ever do that themselves. Um, but they, over time, um, got more and more secure on the campus. Um, they actually, at one point... The, the hospital campus was not gated from the outside community. Uh, we had, uh, every day when we, when we went into work, um, there was security to get to our particular areas of the hospital. Uh, we had to show our badge to a security officer. He would page us in on this um, electrical fence or whatnot. Uh, we walked, I want to say maybe 100, 150 feet to the next gate to get into the hospital where we would show our ID and our face one more time because um, they had some experiences where uh, there were some either former patients or domestic violence issues going on with staff members and they brought it to work with them unintentionally and so they um, you know they had this fence they had this um, double locked security fence uh, for the safety of all staff members and for the safety of the, the patients and whatnot and so once once you got through that second gate then you could go to one of the four hospital areas and this was, it was a learning curve for me because, um, well, Aaron's not the greatest with orientation, <laughs> but um, I learned quickly after that week of orientation, um, I had Monday, Tuesday with patients, and then my dad died on my third day with the patients, October 5th, 2016. I learned quickly how compassionate and kind the, the majority of the patients were, just like most human beings are. And the staff members were so kind to me when my dad died. The reason why it was my favorite job in the whole wide world is because I got to be myself. And I got to do extra fun projects 
through my own creative genius because my boss trusted me because I had proven myself that I would show up to work even though my dad died. I only took, I think, two days off. They, they allotted me for four days, but my divorce had finalized in May of that year to my first husband. And the financial disarray and stress of that was so devastating to me that it made more sense for me to go to work because I had patients to focus on that were kind, uh, that were funny. The staff members, oh my gosh, Danny, he's so hilarious. He was our dance coordinator. Every time there was a holiday, we had a party. We had a dance party with the patients. They loved music. And all of the staff members in our hall, um, they would come down if they, if they um, had a break. And we did, like, the afternoon, we did a dance party with a variety of music. And um, some of them were on the old school CD system. And some of the staff members, uh, they uh, had, like, the cool, you know, Spotify download playlist. That was actually, like, the first time I had ever seen that done before. I was from one of my colleagues and it was fun because I felt like we were in school again and it was like a bunch of my buddies um, yeah one of the staff members Rachel R. RN for our floor um, she was kind of like the top dog if you will um, every floor was ran by a nurse and they made, uh, they're, they're, I think they were called the charge nurses, I forget, but um, if patients were having a bad day, they would ask for a PRN, and she would send them up. If um, they were approved to get a PRN, she would send them up if they were having a rough day, and then um, they, they had to go back a couple levels, I think to a level one or two, um, if they had to have a PRN and have... Um, time on the ward to chill out like if they had a conflict with a classmate or another patient or things like that um, or if they were just having some issues with psychosis and whatnot a PRN was like um, a, some kind of medication to calm them down and they would usually fall asleep for a few hours um, she also made sure everyone was lined up between the groups we had two hours of group therapy in the morning we um, as a staff we would escort them from their ward down to the treatment mall and then we would uh, escort them after the the second hour class in the morning back up and then we'd do the same routine after lunch pick them up and uh, they had two more hours with us and then um, then we brought them back up and I think I needed that slower pace during the grieving time when my dad died and I got to um, I got to cover we covered a lot uh, if people called out we would 
Uh, I was like, at one point, I was like a little bit extra staff member, so they allowed me time to experience all the different therapies that were being offered for the patients, and I was kind of getting some healing for free at work. So that was another reason why I really liked showing up. And in Rachel's class, she taught about uh, the medications, adherence to medications, and also uh, like potential problems that can happen if patients just like cold turkey cut their cut their medications off because some of the some of the medications like you do not want to just cut cold turkey because I mean we're talking like extreme mood change um self-harm you know potential heart attack for some of them because like they're messing with a lot of their physiological things and uh, it was it was eye-opening for me to hear it from a nurse because it's like, wow, they're actually teaching patients about their medications. Like, I had never experienced that before, and I thought that that was such a neat thing. Now, whether or not the patients were ready to receive the information is another story. Some of them were, some of them were not. Um, I also witnessed some overdosing of patients, and one of the, uh, not intentionally, right, uh, because the the treatment team has a very heavy caseload and one in particular um, Dr. Hill um, who's actually uh, one of my board members he he worked at the hospital um, in one of the one of the wards in my particular hall and his caseload was so high that he only had 10 minutes per week per patient to see them and then he had to like speak on their behalf at court so I imagine it's the same caseload for all of the doctors that were on the staff uh, on the treatment team so they had a psychiatrist psychologist and um, usually social worker and if they needed like physical therapy they might have had like an occupational therapist Um, they might have had a fourth member I had been in a couple meetings but anywho I digress a little bit on that um, I wanted to add value in the hospital because I was I was um, trying to heal, but I also, that's who I am. That's a part of my core value system um, and also how my father raised me was to leave it, leave it better than you found it or leave them better than you found them. Make their day better if you can. Um, I think that's a principle that we all can appreciate. And the staff members and the patients certainly helped me grieve during that time and when it got to that certain point where I felt like okay I'm oriented I know what floor I'm on I know what key to use in what door because our keys were on a rotational basis color-coded if certain patients that were known as escape artists if they got um, they were very some of them were very good at paying attention to you because they didn't want to be in there right like who wants to be locked up right and for some of them 30 years like some of them some of them did want to just stay there but for those that didn't want to stay there um, they had these color-coded rings on the keys and we were supposed to cover the color while we unlocked the door now when you're getting oriented in the hospital and you have a lot of new information you're trying to remember okay what key is this and you got patients that are walking up to you and <laughs> you're like so sorry you're not supposed to go through this door that I'm about to unlock uh, it was <laughs> kind of a comedy act um, but 
eventually when I got to the point where I'd say probably maybe like a month in, a month and a half in, I felt like, okay, I know what keys, it, it became automatic. And um, then I started to feel comfortable being able to add value. Because at that point, I was shadowing, um, they asked me to co-facilitate with Sayaka um, in her mindfulness-based cognitive therapy group, and we did meditation for the first 10 minutes and the last 10 minutes of every class, five days a week, so I got to meditate during my work day, 20 minutes a day, 100 minutes a week, and I could tell by Sunday evening and by Monday morning when I had not done it on the weekend because it had completely transformed, uh, I believe, my gray matter in my mind and allowed me to have a healthy space to think, to be calm, to be collected, and to be joyful. Um, so if you are not currently meditating, I strongly recommend it from my personal and professional experience. Um, I got to shadow a lot of the groups. There was a cooking group, and they taught them how to, uh, that was facilitated from Miss Cass and Alec at some point, and then I co-facilitated it with her at one, at one point. Um, that was a higher level class for patients that were about discharged because there were like items that they uh, could harm themselves with. So they had to be, I think, a level four, maybe three, um, just for their personal safety because if there were scissors or knives, um, we had to keep it accountable. And if we lost a tool, um, they had to lock down the entire hospital until we found it. So um, they made sure that uh, patients were at the levels appropriate for the groups and whatnot. Um, there were some jobs that were on campus. There was a cleaning crew class um, that was also taught by Alec and Cass. And I got to shadow a couple times, like if someone called out sick or whatnot. Uh, and they actually paid the patients minimum wage to clean up the mess around the hospital. They had um, there was a big, a uh, lot of lot of smokers in the hospital, both staff and patients. So there were cigarette butts and different things around campus. So they would during their hour they would clean up certain areas of the courtyard or uh, just different areas around the hospital. And, and there was a lot of other classes. Jimbo, he was our, our other positive guy. Um, he was a really cool staff member. Uh, wheelchair bound, but definitely not limited in his level of joyfulness. Um, he facilitated a couple different classes. I remember one was like movement related and um, he added some like quotes and whatnot. Uh, we had our, our two ladies Carla and Susan, and they, they facilitated the fitness group, and they also ran the uh, market store. They, the patients earned points for showing up to groups and participating to the best of their abilities, and um, once a week, they got to uh, get some, some snacks or some items that were not normally provided to them, um, kind of teaching them how to earn through positive reinforcement, like buying, like they could buy with the points, they could get like lotion or like face wash, mascara, nail polish for some of them. Um, 
yeah, a few different things. And when I was shadowing in the class with Susan and Carla, um, I got to exercise during the workday with the patients, and they exercised with them, which I thought was neat. Um, when I when I had asked them uh, what's what's going on tomorrow for the workout or what's going on next week, uh, the the comment was that. Uh, we really believe that the patients thrive on consistency, so we leave the workouts the same. And for me, um, I wanted to be respectful because I was new in my position, but they didn't have the experiences that I had having an undergraduate degree, health and fitness, where one of my professors was the sports psychologist of the women's USA soccer team that took first in the world. Um, <laughs> And, um, and she also expected us to design curriculum without any budgets available. That was one of the classes that we took. Um, her, her, one of her colleagues, Francis, took over that class. But the level of excellence was so high in my undergraduate. And then again, I had the opportunity to teach college-level fitness classes in Oregon State University. Taught, uh, they paid me. They paid my tuition. Um, and then they paid me a monthly stipend as a graduate teaching assistant in order to teach college-level fitness classes. And I was graded and evaluated from my students. I had to have a certain rating in order to keep my scholarship. And I had to have a B-plus average in all of my courses and whatnot. So there was a lot of things that kept my standards high and coming in. Um, after graduate school, I got an opportunity to work with the U.S. Army and Air Force under the direction of Dr. Bruder and um, Lynn Larson. They both were RNs. Dr. Bruder was also a minister um, for the U.S. Army. It was a joint base because um, the Air Force like lost some funding, so they just kind of called it JBLM. Um, but they still had their fun rivalries against each other. Um, but uh, as part, part of that experience, I was a part of wellness program. It was first it was called the Army Wellness Program, then it was they wanted to call it the Air Force Wellness Program, but they were like, No, 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 your your area is too small. The Army has way more funding from the government. How about the Armed Forces Wellness Center? And so they came to an agreement and that's what we called it. And so um, what we we got to experience was this is a pilot program that we developed um, in order to essentially provide prescription level recommendations for exercise, for nutrition, for sleep, for, um, I was the exercise psychology person on the team to help train with the biofeedback using heart math technologies. We had this bod pod where we measured their fat. Um, the, the NFL uses the same machine to di distinguish um, the best of the best for NFL players, whether they would be on what team and whatnot. So we got all of these cool experiences, and then I got to coach both in group. Um, we did a general kind of nutrition class overall. We, didn't, we weren't allowed to overstep, right? We weren't licensed um, dietitians, although we did have a registered one in our group. Um, there was a different nutrition department that um, we would refer if they had specific questions, but we also provided one-on-one -on -one coaching as well to active duty soldiers, their spouses, and retired veterans. And uh, 
when you when you have that experience and you are working with people right where they're at, and many of them their BMIs were so high that we and they were on a two year wait list before we actually got to open this program. Many of them were borderline about to get kicked out of the military, and we were kind of their last. Okay, this these are things that you should get ready for if you are not able to get to your weight for your job. Um, you can still have a high quality life when you transition out of the military. Um, and some of them were like super fit too. It was just kind of a mixture all over the board. But I had all of these experiences prior to working at the psychiatric hospital. And the culture there was so welcoming, nurturing, and encouraging of me in my weakest emotional time in my life when I lost my dad unexpectedly like he died real quick he was diagnosed with pneumonia when my parents helped me move to my apartment in federal way very briefly couldn't afford it so I moved in with someone too quickly Uh, but during that move day my father this was I want to say in July of that year 2016 um he was not able to lift a lamp in a very small box. He was out of breath walking maybe 150, 200 feet. And two weeks prior to that, he was working full time at his job. When he, when he got sick, he got sick very swiftly. But that was kind of his personality too. He always did everything really quick. Get in, get out. <laughs> And uh, I'm laughing because it's not funny, but that was just who my father was. When they finally figured out it was not pneumonia, that it was actually his cancer that had came back after 19 years, they said they got it all when I was 11. They killed one of his kidneys because that was the treatment back then. Well, we believe that the technologies were not advanced enough to detect the cancer. It had laid dormant in his body and it had come back and then seven weeks later on my third day um, working with patients, he died. So I say this to encourage you, if you work in a place where people have lost loved ones perhaps during the pandemic or maybe, uh, maybe it's not COVID-related necessarily. Maybe it's, you know, an elderly grandparent that has passed on uh, through the natural rite of passage um, or a horrific car accident. I'm on the road with my day job all the time, and I see so many car accidents. I, I praise the Creator every morning for keeping me safe on the road and keeping everyone around me safe on the road. Um... If you are experiencing a challenging season right now where you've experienced loss, my hope for you is that your job that you have to go to is in a compassionate, understanding state of mind and you feel safe to communicate what's going on in your personal life. Because I guarantee you when you open up, I believe in radical transparency, um, that term I um, heard from Tony Robbins The more open you are with your heart, the more people are ready to receive and to help support you. And if they're not there to support you, then you probably shouldn't be working in that place. 
um, I had to have an honest conversation. Um, I think it was this last week, or it might have been, it might have been the week before, um, with my direct supervisor and the GM of my location because I knew I was short with people and I didn't like it because that's not my joyful self. Um, and I had to open up about some personal stuff that's going on with me um, and just the high transition state that I'm going in right now. I'm separated from my husband, have been for a couple of months now. And I believe we'll be together again one day if that's what the creator would desire for us. Um, but there are some nasty people that are trying to separate a happy, joyful, loving couple. And no, we weren't perfect, right? We just had gotten married, but uh, the kinds of things that are going on behind closed doors with these people that think that they can mess with the daughter of the Most High King and a son of the Most High King, they got something, they got something coming to them. We'll just put it that way. And I am a woman first of mercy and forgiveness and so they have the opportunity to be forgiven, 100% slate washed clean, um, but they do have to own up. This particular person does have to own up to what he chose to do. And we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, medication is something that I am open to getting on. Again, I do believe that I need it um, temporarily because my sleep pattern has not been the greatest. Um, when I worked at JBLM, I did take medication for a little bit and I believe I did in college as well. Um, so if you've heard of, maybe you have, maybe you haven't, um, it's called escitalopram. Um, essentially, it, it can help with sleep, um, anxiety a little bit. Um, I don't think it's for depression, but it might be a combination. Sometimes you, if you have depression, you also have a little bit of anxiety, um, just kind of the combination of the two because you're either in that low energy state or you've got like, you know, I kind of use the analogy of I'm like a duck swimming on the water. I look calm on the surface, but my feet are kicking so hard. And by the end of the day, I'm just exhausted because I've spent all of my energy giving love and appreciation to everyone around me that by the time I get home, that's my time to chill out. And that's when I'm usually in a low energy state. So um, I recognize that within myself. And so um, I have done the necessary steps. I got some great resources from my supervisor. He had emailed to me some flyers for uh, mental health benefits through a third-party partnership that we have. Uh, we've got a rich mommy and daddy through our 90 locations uh, that are backed by some pretty substantial uh, financial organizations because HVAC is one of the best industries to be in right now during the pandemic because everybody wants to be in clean, fresh air. <laughs> um, so our rich mommy and daddy, if you will, um, they, they want to make sure that we've got the benefits available. Now, unfortunately, they cannot control the level of stress that the whole world is under and the fact that there are a lot of people that are getting therapy right now. So they gave me a list of, when I called the 
I called the, what do you call it? I guess the wellness hotline or whatnot to, um, they have like a concierge service where they can schedule you, um, get you connected to a therapist or get you connected to, uh, if you want to do like, I think fitness coaching and different things, they have different options for you. So I was trying to get it scheduled and, uh, there was some issues. They sent me a list of referral providers. It was like nine or 10 on the list and none of them work. (laughs) Uh, either the person doesn't work at the location anymore and they don't have an EAP provider, uh, the person retired, the person died, um, I left two voicemails. So I might get a call back on Monday from, from the voicemails. I had uh, actually talked to one uh, psychologist that um, his, his number, his cell phone number was left on the voicemail on Fridays and that particular office is never there. Uh, on Fridays, but they left uh, for an emergency to call the doctor. So I was like, well, I'm going to call him and see if he'll schedule with me. He said, I only do assessments now. I don't do therapy. I was like, okay, all right. So that told me that it's not for me right now, but what can I do that has always served me well is to do things that I enjoy every day, uh, which is doing something with music. And that's just who I am. That's a part of my family genetics and I've been getting into music creation since 2020, especially. I've written, I've written 40, 41 songs. They're not done yet since 2020. I've had a huge level of creative energy through it. And while working full-time um, in a variety of jobs, because I've had to change them for a variety of reasons, um, I've shared those <laughs> reasons on podcasts or posts on social media. I try my best to keep a a good attitude um, and communicate positivity from organizations and things if if it doesn't work out, but I also am still radically transparent because honesty and integrity are number one core values for me. Um, I'm still learning what exactly my benefits are, and so I'm waiting to schedule an appointment with a uh, regular doctor because I don't have one yet uh, because we have high deductible plans and I have not gotten my commissions check yet. I just learned earlier this week after three conversations um, to clarify how my commissions are working that I do not get paid for one particular way that they want us to focus on sales for 60 days. So to not get my commission checked during this draw period for 60 days has been a a huge financial stress for me, which is okay. I still have enough for rent. I still have enough for food. uh, But that means that I'm having to decide because I'm not able to make any money through my Move Happy website um, because the person that took the payment for the hit on my life, I believe also paid off my website person and is in control of the website right now and is preventing blocking me from making any sales and has done so for the last two years since I got hacked. I thought that they had fixed my technologies. They did not. They, they did some, but I believe they're blocking my website from making any sales. I don't know why. The creator does. No one can steal from anyone without the creator's permission. Um, however, that's my reality. And I have not had the time to allocate to teach my, uh, through my Erin Nicole Media 
group, uh, when I do teach my social media university intensive, it will be a substantial amount of money that I charge, but I, I don't really enjoy it as much as doing other things. Um, so if I get enough interest in it, then I will facilitate it, um, and that will bring in more money. Uh, but I've been dealing with marriage, divorce, moving off the grid. <laughs> like, uh, my phone got hacked two weeks ago professionally, I believe, from the same person and his organization. Uh, I would like people to leave me alone. I don't think that I'm that cool. I really don't. But I do believe that the hand of favor has been put over my life, and I do believe there is a lot of spiritual attacks that are going on and a lot of jealousy from competitive organizations that think that I don't want to play together when I do. I mean, I'm totally open to working together with people. Um, I'm not open to being on someone's board when they are having an affair with a board member and they are cheating on their husband. Uh, that's a veteran. That is not acceptable to me. Um, but I shouldn't be punished for turning down a job offer when that was that was the situation. Um, so, anyways, I digress. So, medication is extremely important, and I recognize that in myself. Um, and also, having the money to pay for your medication is a necessary thing. So. I'm going to talk to my supervisor on Monday during our meeting. Well, not publicly, but I'm going to talk to him privately and say, hey, can we, can we, can we chat a minute? Um, I'm not really sure how the medical insurance works because I thought that I had medical coverage when I went to urgent care and they did not, somebody didn't check a box and I had to pay out my own money. And they are, the urgent care doesn't have a way to mail me the bill because I was in temporary housing and they didn't have a way to print it off there. So I'm having to pay out for stuff that I should not have had to pay out for. Um, so that's where some of my money went. But it's all right. Um, I got friends that are mega rich. I just, you know, I'm trying to keep it humble and I hate asking people for help. So that's something that I have to learn. And maybe you're listening to this right now and you're like, you know, I can relate to her right now because I hate asking people for help. Well. If you're asking people for help all the time, not so good. If you're never asking for help and you need to, not good either. Um, somewhere in the middle, it's a balance, is um, what I've found. Uh, one of my gifts is through, uh, we had to take a psychological assessment test um, for this job. And um, a regional manager, Mike was super cool. He's like, hey, let me share with you guys your strengths and your weaknesses because this is how we coach you guys. I was like, ooh, this is helpful because I'm all into the psychology stuff. And he said, Aaron, you are, your number one is persuasion. I was like, yes, I'm totally persuasive. I see that. And he's like, and your weakness is flexibility. And I was like, I agree. <laughs> I like things to be done my way and I like to be leading it. So I'm learning to go with the flow more and whatnot. I'm definitely being challenged in that with this new career. Um, but I'm grateful. I'm grateful for having uh, money coming in to cover rent. And I'm grateful to work with technicians. Um, that has been hands down my favorite part of the job. Because uh, as I said earlier, honesty and integrity 
are my number one core values. And these technicians, most of them are men, and they're honest men. And it's so refreshing to be around people that are, pardon me, not full of shit. Um, I love the creator, and I apologize if <laughs> you don't like cursing, but that is who I am. Uh, so they will not sell to a customer if they do not need to sell to a customer. Now, I'm learning the balance of maybe the customer doesn't need it, but maybe they want it. So I'm learning to communicate with um, technicians that don't want them to spend the money and, and saying, hey, let's present them with the options um, and following the process. So it is, it is extremely challenging, uh, not because I'm not good at it, because I've always been in the top 1% to 5%, sometimes 10% of sales rankings amongst my peers in every single industry I've ever worked in. But their processes are not coordinated. They have disagreement. There is not cohesion going on from my perspective, and I'm new there. Um, I've had some days where it, the flow goes so well with um, some of the technicians. Their knowledge base is also higher, so then I can lean in more to their knowledge. Um, some are brand new. So they are not seeing any problems with the machine for me in order to create an emotional, um, you know, kind of lean-in experience to, for, for the uh, sales opportunity or the uh, buying environment opportunity. And being patient with the technologies when I'm not getting emails that I'm supposed to receive in order to know the address and the phone number of the person I'm supposed to call. Um, and learning to be patient with the internet technology glitches and trusting that the people at the office are doing their job, but it's mostly technology issues and it's mostly processes and trust issues, I believe, from department to department. And that is, of course, my biased opinion from my few weeks working there. Um, but I will say that I am generally pretty good at staying neutral about things and observing um, because I'm a vicarious learner. I've learned a lot from being the youngest in the family, we'll put it that way. Learning the mistakes of what others have done in order to be a little bit, I wanna say better, but a little bit, um, I'm not sure even how to phrase that, so we'll just move on. <clears throat> Going back to medications, so uh, <laughs> definitely more than medication in this podcast episode. I hope you're enjoying it. Um, I, I'm going to do a little a little interlude break because I like to when I'm when I'm not planning conversations and I'm super organized, uh, my impromptu storytelling takes over. So if you're having a hard time following, I do apologize, but I'm doing the best that I can. So I'm just walking around my new place in the dark because I like it because you can actually see pretty well in the dark and it's good practice if you ever have to like get up and flee the scene. Hopefully you don't. Um, but things that I have learned in the last few years. <clears throat> so medications that are non-prescription that some people do and some people, I would call it medication, right? Self-medicating through alcohol or self-medicating through prescription drugs, 
or self-medicating through legal substances and illegal. Um, some states have legalized marijuana. Some states have not. Um, some There are some tribes in the Native American uh, groups that practice, um, so I don't remember the name of it, but I, um, there is a book by Tim, I want to say Tim Ferriss, um, audiobook I was listening to in the summer of 2020, and he spoke about it where it's like medical trained staff with, um, I'm trying to remember which Native American group. It might be the Cherokee group. I don't want to. I don't want to quote a, quote a particular group name. Um, but in that in that um, umbrella of people, um, they were doing low dose of. I want to say it was mushrooms, um, but they have a variety of different things that they do that are legal through the parameters of it is their cultural tradition. Um, but uh, he was saying wouldn't recommend it for just some lay person to just go and grab a mushroom out of the ground because some of them are obviously poisonous and things of that nature. Uh, but some people find that that works well for their mental illness or for their overall cognitive well-being. Um, we were actually having a car ride when we drove to corporate training with Mike and he and I were having a little friction about it, and I say that respectfully because he's very knowledgeable about the fact that some prescription medications are one or two chemical compounds away from, or even the same basically chemical compounds as things like heroin or different things like that that we're prescribing to people in hospital settings. It's no different than what they're getting on the street. Um, so that was his kind of perspective on it. And my perspective is, well, when you've been in a home where someone changed their personality in a course of a couple of months and threatened to kill you in the middle of the night, and you make that standard a no-drug policy in your presence, uh, we, we all come from different backgrounds and experiences. And it's, it's good for me to open up my perspective and respect other people's decisions for what works for them, as long as what you are doing is not harming to yourself and it's not harming to someone else around you. I, uh, I have used um, alcohol as my mode. Um, when I was a jazz singer, they would give us you know, a glass of wine or two um, in restaurants and they would give us some dinner and a little gas money and you know, you get comfortable and you get used to the fact that you are drinking a glass of wine with the jazz music and over time I noticed um, and actually one of my <laughs> one of my um, band members Russ I remember him giving me attitude one day and oh I did not like what he had to say that I was slurring my words because I was not slurring my words I promise you uh, well I probably was um, but I wasn't ready to admit it and so that's another form of medication. Now, is it good? Is it bad? Well, it depends on how much, and it depends on what the purpose is. Um, there are some cultures, like in Germany, in Italy, in France, where it is, it is the norm to have alcohol, to have wine, um, or a variety of you know, alcohol things within your dinner, um, and they start them at a very young 
age. And so then they learn that that's a part of the culture, that's a part of the norm. We eat dinner together, we have a glass of wine, we have conversations about what's going on in the world, how our day was, um, and actually converse. Um, here in the United States, we have a lot faster pace in most areas compared to in Europe. And uh, I would say there's probably more issues with DUIs. And I think if you look in the research, I remember I had written a couple papers in my undergraduate about it. Um, there's a lot more issues with alcoholism and DUIs at the 20-year-old rate or 19-year-old rate because our legal drinking age is 21 in the States. So um, there's different age uh, legal rules in different countries and whatnot. So medication, medication can be a pill, medication can be a liquid, medication can be music, medication can be a recreational therapy or exercise. Uh, medication is your mode of which to work through the healing process of whatever is off balance in your body. And I'm really excited to share with you, if this is your first time listening to the show or if this is your first time hearing about what I'm about to talk about, um, this is an opportunity that the creator of the universe has inspired through me to design. It has been in process since the beginning of this year. I might have had some notes on it last year, but I do believe this was, uh, this was divinely inspired. It's called the Real Entertainment Therapy Experience. And essentially what it is, uh, we are developing the first ever entertainment therapy in the world for those that lean towards entertainment as their mode of healing. So if you are a performer or if you are an audience member, you are more than likely going to receive some healing. And our goal is to eventually get it white-papered and get it in... in uh, every single textbook available in all universities. Now that is a long-term goal that will take some time to get to. Um, in order to get it accredited through the Joint Commission, they do require data, um, there are fees involved, um, so we are working on it. But what I am really excited about is all of the barriers and all of the walls that I have, that I have jumped through or walked around uh, because of the encouragement of my high school choir teacher really instilling examples of excellence and examples of don't let money be a barrier for you. And I'm very excited to announce that we've got an Ivy League professor that reached out to me from a referral in my network when I told people what I was doing. Um, wants to be a part of this so this will be happening and you want to be a part of this experience the next one we're doing we, we did one in February we're doing the second one August 18th 9 a.m. Pacific 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time approximately two hours of combined we have a keynote speaker that's going to be um, very powerful. Um, this is a mentor of mine that's a retired postmaster of the United States Post Office and also a business mentor and coach. Um, I'm going to be opening the event. We've got two outstanding edutainers 
and you heard that right, E-D-U-T-A-I-N-E-R-S. They are educating and entertaining you, speaking from their perspective in business on how to improve the treatment of people and patients with depression. One in particular is associated with one of the largest organizations for entertainment in the world that every single person, if I say this word, knows what I'm talking about. And it rhymes with Disney. Oh yeah, you got it, Disney. I'm so grateful he said yes. He called me back right away within, I want to say, a minute or less of leaving him a voicemail. I had sent an email. I had texted. I, I had um, sent some DMs on social media. When you want someone to be a part of something because you know that it's going to up-level the experience for them and, and add value to them and add value to your audience... You get clear on what your hook message is. And I told him, we've got an Ivy League. I think that was my voicemail. We've got an Ivy League professor that wants to be a part of it. I don't want you to miss out or something to that manner. He could speak to the exact voicemail that I left because I, I am hustling and I'm, I'm always honest, but I am definitely learning to um, share what needs to be said. So uh, he, at one point in his career, he recently retired he was responsible for 40,000 cast members. That's what they call employees at Disney. 40,000 employees. I am blown away at the people that are saying yes to be a part of this. We've got a previous Super Bowl performer. If you were not at any of the concerts last year, he sang a couple times. Uh, this is a personal friend of mine. We actually were in the same high school elite music program under the direction of Mr. Bernard Krauss. I am a little bit older than him, so I graduated beforehand, uh, but you will get a chance to meet someone that has surpassed even my professional experience with performing. Um, when you raise your standards, people step up to the plate and Mr. Krauss raised the standards consistently every year so each graduating class got to do even more epic things than the ones before and it wasn't a I'm better than you it was yes you get it awesome I'm so proud of you I'm so proud to be associated with this alumni group he did it for I want to say 25 years maybe a little bit more than that um Mr. Krauss was a guest on my podcast a few months ago. You can listen to that episode. You're going to get to meet Matt. And, yeah, he got to be a part of a previous Super Bowl as part of the U.S. Air Force Tops and Blue group. And he's going to sing an original song for you that he wrote himself. I also will be singing some original music some that I have never shared publicly before. This is something very fun for me, and I hope that it will be fun for you. I do believe that it will be. We've got another edutainer. I'm so pumped that he is making himself available for this because he is a United States veteran, but he does not live in the United States. Um, he actually is a previous guest VJ on MTV. He's also worked with Mick Jagger. 
He is an international business growth specialist. And I'm so freaking excited that he said yes. He is like so stoked to be a part of this. Um, so if he's, he's probably giggling right now listening. Uh, Stephen Kuhn, if you have not connected with him, make sure to go connect on social media. Um, he is the founder of Humble Alpha. And I'm just, I'm freaking, I'm freaking out. Like it's so freaking cool. Okay. <laughs> when you... When you use whatever your mode of medication that you need for your, your healing journey, when you use it on a daily dosage basis, for me, it's been focusing on my life mission, which is to help empower people in the world to find happiness from within and to end global suicide. That is my life mission. It's a legacy mission that will never ever be achieved in my lifetime because it's something that gets me up and going every single day because I am a survivor of those thoughts. I have been completely healed and wiped of those thoughts and your thoughts are not you. Let me just say that one more time. Your thoughts are not you. I prayed down on my knees in 2018 after I had the best year of my life working at the psychiatric hospital of 2016 to 2017. And um, I actually created five different therapy programs during that 12-month period. Three of them were billable to the state. And then two of them were customized one-on-one therapies that I was allowed to provide in addition to all of my regular duties because I wanted to add value and I got really fast at my job and charting notes so that I could help Dr. Hill out and allow him more than 10 minutes per patient each week. So he allowed me the opportunity to work with two patients one-on-one and so I customized different style of therapy based on my own um, professional experiences and my own personality and he let me be myself and work with patients. So that was a really neat experience. I got engaged way too quickly after divorce, rushed into it, experienced domestic violence, um, had five uh, venue changes, had four date changes, had three therapists refuse to treat us. One was my um, ex-fiance's own therapist. He actually canceled on us the day of the event um, that we were, or the day of the appointment to have therapy. Um, There were all of these red flags that were telling me this is not your person. And I trusted in my gut and my intuition. And I prayed on it because we were living together. Um, Don't recommend that if you can help it. Um, Don't move in together until uh, you are ready to be married. Don't rush into something. Give it a year. Give it a year. That was the advice um, I had received before, but I did not listen because I was financially uh, struggling from my divorce and my family did not have space for me to live there. So that was, that was the choice that I made. And I take full 100% ownership in that decision. Um, I will never live with someone that I'm not married to again. We'll put it that way. So I'm grateful where I am at right now. Um, I am still married, but we are separated because, again some dark evil people want to separate something that is good and we'll get back together if we're supposed to so 
I had this incredible year working at the psychiatric hospital. And then I earned a promotion that my boss told me no one in 30 years was ever even interviewed for. And I not only got the interview, I got the job. I worked the job for a week when my colleague that had trained me I went on vacation. She came back from vacation, and she was going to cover for my vacation, and then she was moving on to the high-risk hall that they had added 60 staff members to. She was getting, you know, the next level up in her career path, and I was taking over her her hall. I was going to be in charge of 30, uh, I was 28 to 30 patients as the psychology specialist on the ward. This was a huge thing. They had never done this in 30 years. They had never put someone that was not a licensed psychologist in charge on the ward. But because I had added so much value, they threw out the rule book. And I'm grateful that the creator of the universe had given me that power, that favor. And then, sadly, budget cuts happened from legislator they decided that they were going to shut down an entire ward. 60 people lost their jobs that day. I got moved back to the hall, and my fiancé at the time could not take it. He could not believe that I lost the extra $1,000 a month that we were expecting to have as part of our wedding plans. And... His father had also passed away as well, so he was dealing with his own grief period. Um, His father passed a few months after, I want to say around Christmas time. Um, And he didn't like it. He didn't want to make any more money at his sales job. He was happy with his level of work. He expected that I was going to make more money, and when that didn't happen, um, that's when things started to crumble for us. That's when I started to not feel safe around him and experience the domestic violence. I'm, I'm grateful that his daughter was there that day because if she was not there, I know that he would have either beat the shit out of me, pardon my French and my transparency, or he would have killed me because he, in his mind, had thought that I was cheating on him, um, but he experienced a TBI and I had gotten my oil changed that morning and I wanted him to have more time with his daughter and allow him to have that space with her because um, he only got to see her every other weekend and he had forgotten from the night before, not even 12 hours later, that I was going to get my oil changed. And he had assumed the worst in me instead of assuming the best. Um, So that's unfortunate for him. Uh, But that was my circumstances and I had to leave my job because I couldn't afford to stay working there when I lost my promotion. I had to move. And I had to find, um, I had to go humbly ask 13 different locations uh, if I could live in their places because my credit was bad for my divorce. And I had to beg. Oh, it was humiliating. If you've ever had to beg, I'm right there with you, sister. I'm right there with you, brother. (laughs) It's not fun. Being broke, it's not fun. So that's why I... uh, I don't, I don't wish it on anybody. Um, if you have more, you can help more people. So the uh, next job I had after that was uniform and facility service sales. But I still, I had this, this thing, this knowing in my heart. Um, one of my patients at the hospital before I left encouraged me 
He said, Aaron, this thing is bigger than this hospital. I don't think you realize what an impact you have made here. You need to keep going. You need to keep sharing this. I will see you on stage. You will be speaking on the same stage as Joel Osteen, Joyce Myers, Oprah Winfrey, Ellen DeGeneres, Tony Robbins. You are just at the same caliber. You are no different than them. And I listened to his advice because he was a U.S. Marine veteran and he was a high-level executive in charge of 150 to 200 staff before being hospitalized. So his leadership background mattered more to me and his professional opinion because he was a part of my group. He got to see the transformation of the group from the first time we did it to the third time and I created um, another class actually for him because he wasn't ready to transition out of the hospital. That was I customized it for his needs but also other benefits got to benefit or other patients got to benefit I should say. And it was in that group when I, um, he and I had some friction one day, and I said, I have to apologize to you. Um, they're putting the pressure on us to get you to sign your paperwork. And I thought that because you and I um, have, have that rapport built, that I thought that I could encourage you to do it. But I do apologize. I'm going through some personal stuff right now. And he's like, I noticed you weren't wearing your ring. And, I, and that's when I started to tear up. And... Um, told him that the engagement was broke and it was emotionally painful every day to show up to a job where everybody knew that I was engaged and then I wasn't so they were asking me how my wedding plans were going and I was like I'm actually um, not feeling safe in my home right now and trying to find a new place I didn't really feel comfortable talking about it because I was still in in the tough season so if you've ever experienced domestic violence I don't recommend it Um, (laughs) if you can get away from that 100% do it Um, but just understand that you're not alone in that and you can still move forward in life if you are staying in a domestic violence relationship I recommend you don't involve other people in it if you're not ready to leave that was uh, that was a decision that I made to turn a job away from someone that offered me um, a position because one of her board members was, I believe, physically attracted to me and um, wanted me and my value to be on her board or to be a part of her, her organization. Um, but when I asked her about the domestic violence she was experiencing and her husband had thrown her down the stairs and she said that she was dealing with it for 10 years but she wasn't going to give up the business because then she'd have to give him half of the money. And that, to me, was just wrong. Like, you you break ties, you give them 50%, and you move on in life, and you create a new business name. But she didn't want to do that. Uh, She wanted all the money for herself, and I don't know exactly, but I turned it down because it was too too complicated for me, and I don't, I don't, I don't do adultery. I just, I don't. Um, That's just something that I steer clear of only time you might ever think that there is some adultery is because I thought that my husband and I were getting a divorce because he told me to and then he took his dog tags away and then he hid our marriage certificate so anyways I digress moving on moving forward
medication and your mode of healing is whatever works for you. It should be, in an ideal word, world, customized to your needs. Because we're all human beings. We're all individually designed. Some of us are great artists and draw or paint. Some of us are great musicians like myself. Um, can play different instruments, can pick up things real quick. Uh, some of us are really good with our hands and building things and manipulating models and, um, you know, doing fun uh, quizzes, you know, mathematical quizzes and things of that nature. We're all, we're all designed differently. And when we have cohesion and we can work together in harmony, that's when peace occurs. That's when, that's when good cultures occur in workplaces. And if your job can allow you the space to be creative, if you're adding value, I promise you, your employees are going to work harder for you. I promise you, they're not going to quit because they're going to have a reason to show up because they know that they are cared for, so therefore they will care more. Medication might be taking some pills for a while and then stopping. Uh, one of my friends that uh, I met in, I think, third grade in 4-H, uh, and then we went through junior high and high school together, um, she had told me that she had been on an anti-anxiety medication for 10 years, and she found out from a new doctor that she had that she was only supposed to be on it for six months because it affected her long-term memory. No one had told her that. So I'm telling you, because if someone didn't tell you that, it can affect your brain activity over time if you take certain kinds of medications. So get informed. Um, we all have smartphones for the most part. If you don't, um, you can phone a friend <laughs> and ask to borrow. Uh, but look into what what are the side effects of the medications, potential side effects. And if you need to take it for a short term, that's okay. But if it needs to be longer than six months, you should have a follow-up appointment with your doctor. Don't skip that follow-up appointment. Don't just say, hey, can you just send me the prescription refill? No, you need to go in. You need to talk to your doctor and say, hey, um, these are some things that I'm experiencing. These are some concerns that I have. Um, I... You need to be your own advocate. Um, I believe that I'm doing better right now in life. I've got a stable address now. I've got income coming in from a job, you know, this, that. Um, I believe that instead of taking the 20 milligrams that you prescribed me, I think I could do well on 10. Is it okay if we taper it off a little bit? You can be your own advocate and speak what you desire with your doctor. That is what you're supposed to do, but that is not always reality. Um, because of either their caseload, maybe you have a difficult time getting access to your doctor. Um, look and see if you live out in the rural areas. See if there's a telehealth option for you to connect. And also, um, you can get transported through, Lyft has a partnership 
I know definitely um, Uber might as well, but I know um, some medical groups have partnered to help patients get to their doctor's appointments. It's not perfect, right? Um, if you're changing your address often, you want to double check that they put the correct address on there, but it's a way for you to get to the doctors so that there are no barriers for you to miss your appointments and whatnot. Now, I strongly encourage you, if you need to take medication for a little while, to get on it. Um, that's my plan next, once I get enough money coming in, to probably get on some escitalopram again for a little bit because my sleep pattern has not been good. So I'm worried about my husband. I'm really grateful for you listening to the show. I'm grateful for you being a part of the Move Happy Movement journey. Some of you have been listening to the show for years. Some of you are just popping on, and this is a new episode for you. Uh, wherever you're at in your journey, understand that I did not speak solo until I think the second year. Um, when I first launched it, I was so nervous starting the show that I called it a blog because I didn't really know what I was doing. You can have a successful podcast if you want to get into podcasting um, by putting in the work and being intentional with your end in mind. Think about where you want to take your audience and people will show up. If you're clear on the direction that you want to take, even if you don't know what you're doing, I promise you, it will serve you and it will serve your audience. I have never taken um, any advertisement money on the show. Um, I actually pay every month. I've been paying since I launched it. Um, I pay, well, I think the first couple months was free, but then after I got to like 14 or 15 episodes, I pay um, Podbean every month and they, they send me emails that I can monetize the show and whatnot. But that's not the direction that I plan to take. Maybe down the road, I don't know, if the creator tells me otherwise, I might change my mind. Um, I believe that has helped the rankings to go up. I still don't understand how I'm in the top 10%, though, in the world of all podcast shows, according to Listen Notes, because I, my downloads are not, my downloads are terrible compared to some other people's downloads, but I understand that some people pay for bot downloads, fake downloads, to make their rankings look better. Um, and I've never done that because that to me doesn't make sense to create some sort of fake platform of first rankings or whatever. When it's like, no, I want to make an impact on people, not on robots clicking buttons. So I encourage you, if you are thinking about starting a show, do something that you love, whatever subject area you lose track of time thinking about and talking about and you could talk for hours about it um, maybe it's about video games maybe it's about volleyball whatever it is for you um, I encourage you to start a show and if you don't know the industry and you're maybe a little anxious or a little depressed and so you don't uh, feel comfortable talking to people, find leaders in your niche and ask them if you can interview them. I learned that from Gary 
Vaynerchuk's show. I was following his show in 2018. I was listening to it every morning on my commute to work. And I learned a lot of what to say. And he said it in one episode because he, he does a lot of replays of um, presentations and speeches and things like that. They um, repurpose his content, which is super smart. If you have um, a staff that you could hire to do that, strongly recommend it. I'll get there one day. Um, but in one of his particular shows, he says, it's super simple if you're interviewing people. Um, the questions to ask, you ask, ask their background, their origin story, and then you ask them some key questions about themselves tied in with your business brand pillars, if you will. Um, and then if you've got, usually you have three pillars for your business, or some people have four. Um, keep it simple. Do three. And you ask them key questions to tie it in. And then at the end, you do some sort of right hook punch question for them to um, ask for the sale of some sort. It gives them a reason to show up to the show. And so then it's fair for both parties. And then um, what I like to do on my show as well when I'm interviewing someone is I like to close out the show with a random impromptu question because I think the audience appreciates a little variety and it's also fun for me to do something unexpected. Um, when, I first, when I first was doing the episodes, um, I had some people that I could sense because I'm really good um, at sensing people's emotional state um, across the camera. And for those that I could feel were a little bit more anxious that were asking me like lots of questions before the interview, like, would you like me to share my impromptu question with you before we hit record? And they were like, yes, I want to know so that I, I'm not thinking about it the whole interview. Okay, cool. So this is what I was thinking I was going to ask you. Is that okay with you? And what I've learned um, now is just to tell people, if you want to be a part of the show, the last question is something simple, silly, and fun. And it's something that I'm going to do on the spot. I don't give them an option anymore uh, to know it in advance because I want this show to be as authentic as possible for you as an audience member. And it also makes it more enjoyable for me. How fun. How fun for me. How blessed am I that I get to do this and... Um, eventually I would love to do this one hour a day because it brings me so much joy to edify others that are doing good things in the world and uh, the rest of the day could be customized to my other preferences um, doing the things that I enjoy doing we're not there yet but that's okay um, I am I'm honored at where I'm at in my life journey right now that I'm alive that I live in the best country in the world. And if you're listening to this and you're not in the United States, I'm sure that you have a preference that your uh, country is the best in the world, and that's okay. We can both be right. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm certainly blessed that there, there were strangers that protected me in 2020. There have been strangers that became friends my whole life. And we are all a part of this journey together our social connections, our community, are some of the strongest predictors of our levels of happiness. And also the opposite is true. If we're hanging around negative Nellies, if we're hanging around nobody, um, not really conducive to a positive level of happiness. We'll just put it that way. So your medication is actually doctor's orders 
from Erin Nicole. I'm not a doctor yet, but eventually I'll, I'll be getting a few PhDs. I encourage you to reach out to some friends this week. I'm going to do it too. Um, I, lately I've been praying a lot of who, who needs a conversation, who can I reach out to and support or pray for, and then the creator of the universe reveals that to me. Um, so it's pretty, it's pretty neat. It's a supernatural thing, and you can, you can have that gift too. Just, you just ask the questions, and it will be so. I encourage you to reach out to five friends this week, people that uh, maybe you just met, people that you've known for a long time. Check in on them. Ask them how they're doing with no other ulterior motive other than just to check in on them and let them know what's been going on. I promise you it will make you feel more joyful at the end of the phone call, and it will also build up your social level of health. Um, in addition, if you can do a combination, um, do the phone call and or you know FaceTime, Zoom, things like that, um, add some exercise to it. Say, hey, I would love to catch up with you and do a walking um, you know, let's walk together. I know you're in another state. I know you're in another country, but let's get our time zones in alignment and let's chat on our walk. Let's do a 30-minute walk together and see how we're doing, see how you're doing. Imagine if we all did that every day, reached out to five people, and we all walked for 30 minutes a day. How much more joyful would we be at work? How much more kind would we be to our spouses? Because we got to vent a little bit to a friend for 30 minutes. <laughs> um, and how much better would our BMIs be? How much easier would that be on all the nurses that are trying to lift these very large patients in the beds if they weighed a little bit less for them over time? Let's all do our part. Let's step up. Let's take action in our lives to live the life of our happiness. And I hope to see you at the next Real Entertainment Therapy Experience, August 18th, 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The way to get the invite, you got to get us an email. Get either Robbie O'Connor or myself on LinkedIn or Facebook. Um, get us your email address. You can shoot us a DM on social media. That's probably the easiest route to do that. Um, to be added to the invite list and we've got 225,000 and there's just one volunteer um, those are the email invite lists um, so I'm sending it to the three people that I reached out to that uh, have said yes they're interested in supporting and they're going to send it to their email list so I don't know how many are going to show up <laughs> on August 18th um, so that's why we have to coordinate because there are Zoom limitations on the level of program that I pay for each month. I only have about 85 seat, digital seats, if you will, available, and we've got potentially 2,225 if 1% 1 of 225,000 show up. We could have more than that if people are interested in um, hearing a previous Super Bowl performer sing and hearing um, me sing some original music. I don't know. Could be less. Could be 10 people who knows um, but we're expecting to have one percent show up and we want to make sure that no one gets left behind or left out that wants to show up and be a part of this so we do need sponsors to step up and donate any amount is fine if you want to pay directly to zoom and then 
let them know, like, hey, this is for Aaron's event. Um, that's fine. Just make sure that you talk to me first before you do that. Um, otherwise, if you want to have the tax write-off official, you can donate directly on the Nonprofit Arms website, ErinNicoleMinistries.org. That's E-R-I-N-N-I-C-O-L-E-M-I-N-I-S-T-R-I-E-S dot O-R-G. You can donate any amount. You can sponsor any amount. We are expecting that it's going to be approximately $10,000. If we get that, that'll give the tier level up to 10,000 seats. And I'm calling them seats, but it's like 10,000 um, people can click on the link and, it, and they won't get kicked out. Um, and it's also approximately if we want to hire Zoom to help us with the technology. Now, they told me the last time in February that I needed to give them more lead time, um, but I do not have the time to do that. Uh, and that is not a personal issue. That is the creator is going to open up a way for me to get that support. So if you are a really good at technology support and um, we'll have to do a background check um, on you but um, if you want to help with this um, we're not wanting anyone that's a part of this that is dark or evil and so unfortunately I have to be a little bit more closed in my heart if you will for things that are business related because I want to protect my audience and I and I need to protect the experience because there will be children involved so I don't want anyone doing anything crazy on camera that can never be unseen we'll just put it that way so if you are interested in helping support we do need the support uh, because I'm going to be emceeing and I don't want to also be admin for people um, coming into the experience and having zoom issues um, I don't want to have a phone call while I'm recording live with my family member because they didn't get the link sent to them or they didn't know how to click on it or whatever uh, I cannot be all things for all people. I am going to be MC, and so I need some people to step up to support and be a part of this experience. Um, hitting the play button for the different videos, um, in addition to um, administration, admin, um, uh, chatting in the group to help encourage people to ask different questions, um, just getting the energy positive and whatnot. So those are some things that eventually for December's event will have that completely financially supported, I believe. And um, the vision for December's event is we'll actually have a space dedicated that will we'll have a, a live audience. But we'll see how the pandemic numbers are, if that's something that we would be able to do or not. If not, it's okay. It's something fun that keeps me going. It keeps me progressing forward. This is my mode of medication. When medication isn't readily available to me, focusing on performing is my healing agent um, and, and helping other people to perform too and to, to be able to have this experience. And additionally, it's fun for young people to be inspired by watching older people role model what's possible. Um, a few months ago, um, in the winter of 2021, I was thinking about starting, uh, eventually starting a um, customized child care experience, either like a summer camp or, or like having a full-time like daycare experience um, at my home. I wasn't sure when I wanted to do it, but I knew that I needed to get back working with kids again so that I can 
kind of feel it out and see what I wanted to do. And I connected with this military family, and it was just a beautiful experience, like cross-cultural um, couple. They had great cohesion. Um, they were deeply in love. Husband, active duty, scheduled everything, did everything for his wife so that they could have date night. He coordinated babysitter, um, their eldest daughter, uh, knew all the things and took care of the younger siblings and she and I clicked right away because she wants to be a pop star singer and so when her little sisters went to bed she and I did some piano training and we sang some songs and actually Bill Dolan who is one of my uh, business mentor friends he's helping coordinate our experience August 18th I'm just he's volunteering he stepped up to help me with it um he actually shot a video encouraging her uh, because I asked him to because she had revealed to me that she was experiencing some bullying at school and there was a girl that she was friends with that she um, didn't know why she wasn't her friend anymore and I wanted I wanted the video to be something encouraging to her that she would feel so confident that the other kids would want to be her friend and if they chose not to be, then she had at least enough value in herself and she essentially would have her crown on her head because nobody bullies any of my community members. And he shot the video and I sent it to her family. And I'm not sure exactly what happened. Um, I do believe some evil people reached out to him because uh, instead of charging him for the babysitting, I offered to do an exchange and asked him if he could reach out to um, to the military's uh, suicide watch team to get them invited to the concert experience and I don't think that they liked that. They did not want, because it's not standardized, it's not approved yet, it's something that's new, outside the box, so, uh, which, you know, is understandable. But um, if there was someone evil that was trying to prevent me from helping a little girl not be bullied, uh, shame on you. I don't, I don't know the story and I might not ever have closure on that, but that's okay. Um, I know that my heart is, is pure and I know that my intentions are good. And the same thing with my little sis from Big Brothers Big Sisters. Um, somebody messed with the phone number. So I'm hoping that nobody is messing with my little sis. So I've, I've uh, mailed some things and I'm waiting to hear back. Um, but she and I have been connected since my divorce process in February, I believe, of 2016 was when we got matched. I've been able to heal a lot through contributing, spending time with her. And when I moved across the country to help my family member, I stayed connected with her um, as best I could and chatted with her mom um, while I was off the grid for a little bit. People need to leave people alone that are doing good things in the world but if they don't it makes us stronger so all right I've been talking your ear off I really appreciate you listening to this episode on medication and if you are wanting to be a part of the real entertainment therapy experience August 18th if you know a medical practitioner either eastern or western medicine um, doesn't matter either way or if you're across, you know, style, holistic and a little bit of traditional mes uh, Western medicine. 
uh, you are welcome to join, especially if you work with veterans and first responders. Um, if you don't, but you want to, um, it is a free event. We're just trying to prioritize the 85 seats to those that we want to be listening to the advice. Um, because the goal of this is to improve in the treatment of people and patients with depression. And how can you uh, connect and use your gifts, use your, your science, use your knowledge, and also learn from some top leaders in business from their experience. Um, and Stephen Kuhn is a U.S. Uh, veteran as well. So for them to give you the perspective from the military, from business, from international business, as well as uh, one of the largest entertainment brands known in the history of the world. So I'm just, I'm blown away. I'm so grateful that people have stepped up to help with this because they love veterans, they love first responders, and they're in alignment with this mission. So I want you to be a part of it if you're in alignment. If you're not, then don't, please don't waste our time. Don't waste your time or ours because there are too many people that we want to help and there's plenty of space, plenty of room for you. Even if you have another business that's in the same industry, I encourage you, step up, take action, go donate some money, sponsor some money, and invite a friend. Um, again, limited seats available, but if we get the $10,000, then we'll have up to 10,000 seats. And then if there's more than 10,000 that say yes, I do have to make a phone call to Zoom because then the pricing goes up from there and I'm not sure exactly what the pricing is. So it just says to call them. So I don't think we're going to be there yet at the 10,000 mark, but hey, you know what? I'm not going to limit what the creator of the universe designs and desires for this experience. If there are people that want to step up and are available for it and they're going to take time off of work or time off of school or whatever their schedules are, um, we will figure it out. I will reach out to my network of people that have deep pocketbooks. Until then, um, I'm doing a limited amount of promotions because I'm working 12 to 14 hour days. Except for Monday, I'm working, I'm on call as well. So I'm working until up to 10 p.m. at night, starting my day at 4 a.m. So it's a very long day for me and I have to be on my work phone, focused on my day job, not focused on my fun stuff. So thank you for your patience, uh, but I do not have a lot of time to promote it. So please help me spread the word and get the right people to this experience. <clears throat> all right, I think that's all I've been talking, talking, talking. It's so funny how the creator of the universe just wakes me up and says, this is the topic that you're going to talk about. I want you to talk. I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to talk about, but apparently I figured it out. And... That's it. That's a wrap, folks. All right, you guys. You guys know the closure song. You could sing it along with me now, probably if you've been listening for a while. Don't forget to tell someone you love them today. That was like the slowest version I've ever done, but it's all good. I love you guys. See you next week.